Welcome to the Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. Welcome to Keys of the Kingdom. I'm Brother Gregory, and again, we're going to be talking about the Kingdom of God. And I've had a lot of conversations this week about uh, a number of things. I talked to some fellows in Australia and New Zealand. I've talked to people around the country about things like capitalism, uh, which has gotten a really bad name. And we talked about that a little bit uh, last week and the week before in this Banking on the Kingdom series that uh, there are certain people that have been floating around for uh, over a century now that have hated capitalism. And they have been working steadily at giving capitalism a bad name. And one of the ways they do this is they create something else that is not really capitalism and they call it capitalism, such as corporate capitalism. Corporate capitalism is not really capitalism. Uh, state-controlled capitalism is not really capitalism. <laughs> we, uh, capitalism, if you look up almost every single definition, whether you're going to Marx or, or uh, Wikipedia or Google, it almost always includes a phrase like, the base is private ownership of what they often call the means of production. And of course, the means of production is not like, uh, you know, metal and, and wood and things like that. It's your labor because nothing gets produced without your labor. So the control and possession of your labor is essential for capitalism. Now, if you, if you say, well, I have, uh, control of, uh, Half of my labor, and half of my labor I don't own. I don't have a right to it. Well, you're not working in capitalism except for half the time. And I tell the story about when I was seven years old and I asked my father who he worked for, and he said until July 1st he worked for the government. After that he worked for himself. And I had no idea what he was talking about. I didn't know I didn't know what that meant. But my father would give me answers like that even when I was seven. And then I would, you know, twenty years later, I finally, oh, that's what he meant. <laughs> I, I, fortunately, I remembered those events. But uh, he he was in a fifty percent income tax bracket, so uh, he. He, all the money that he earned for the first half of the year went to the government, and the second half of the year he got to work for himself. And so, he, you know, he was just very precise. He was a lawyer, and, uh, you know, he, when he would answer a question, he would give you the actual answer, but not always so that you could understand it, which I guess is kind of a lawyer uh, tactic. But the reality, he would tell you the truth, and... uh and put it in a way that eventually it did sink in and I figured out what he was talking about. And there's a lot of people that are simply triggered by vocabulary. They don't, you know, they say things that they don't really understand and they repeat them and they believe them and they think they're true and they go through life following what they imagine is true 
but is really a fallacious way of thinking about something. And, and one of those things was capitalism. Capitalism is simply the private ownership of the means of production, which means your labor. That's what capitalism is. Now, you can add all kinds of things to that because it's only an economic element of a society. It's not a society in itself. It does, it, it's not uh, socioeconomic until you make it socioeconomic. It, it's not political until you make it political. And then when you start making it political and socioeconomic, then you've changed it. You know, if if the state can take half your labor away, you're not living in a capitalist society. You're living in a pseudo-capitalist society. If you do not own the, that you build a house and you do not own it, you have to pay somebody else if you want to keep using it. You do not live in a capitalist society because you're not in control of the means of production. At least some of the means of production. And when you were in bondage in Egypt, you did not live in a capitalist society. The money you had in your pocket was had no present value. They were using all kinds of things as money in, in those days. Little clay scarabs and what have you with numbers on them. They still haven't figured out all of these little clay scarabs that they found with these numbers on them. But they were used as money. They had no value except in Egypt. It's a clever way of uh, keeping the people in bondage. They did the same thing in Sparta. You couldn't have gold and silver money in Sparta. Even Hitler knew that. The gold in the hands of the people is the enemy of the state. Because they would have value. And of course, when Aaron was building the golden calf, and the people were taking their gold that they had left Egypt with and putting it in the golden calf. They were on their way back to Egypt in spirit and truth because they were taking the wealth out of their pocket, which is part of the means of production. You know, if you wanted to, you know, set up a sawmill, uh, you would maybe need some tools. If, you know, if you were going to produce these things, and so you could take some of your gold and buy the tools from a guy who could make the tools, and then you could set up your industry, like a weaving industry. You were going to make tents, like Paul. Well, you need lots of looms. You need to buy lots of wool and, uh, and goat hair in order to spin that wool so that you can weave it into tents. To make your canvas material. So you would have some gold and you could buy some of those things. Otherwise you have to make everything yourself. We have this idea that, you know, big industry was invented in the 1800s. And you can go back to the ancient Rome and they were building sailing ships that could carry tens of thousands of tons of, uh, you know, of, of of grain, of stone, uh, hundreds of sailors, hundreds and hundreds of passengers on these ships. They were gigantic. It's not like you see in the movies. Some of them were huge. And they were able to do this because they were highly industrious. They would put up grist mills. Not just one, you know, that was operating by water coming from the river. 
They would build whole canals for miles to bring water to a hilltop where they had this fall going down to the river. They'd take the water from way upstream. And then they would, the water would go through one grist mill, turning the wheel, grinding the grain. Then it would fall down and go through another one farther down the hill. And then it would go through another one farther down the hill and another one farther down the hill. And they'd make two rows of these grist mills, grinding grain. And they had barges that they would load the grain on to bring it to the mill and barges to load the flour on to take it out to the cities. And then they would also be baking the bread in giant ovens and and then putting huge stamps on the bread to signify who made it. They were a very complex society. They didn't have the internal combustion engine, but they were very practical. And they were capitalists. And Christ was a capitalist. Israel was a capitalist society. They were to keep their gold and silver, the valuable money that they had in their pocket. Not like it was in the bondage of Egypt. They owned all their labor. They had a right to all of their labor. There was no income tax in ancient Israel or amongst the early Christians. Because to desire benefits at the expense of your neighbor would be like some sort of covetous practice and it would probably make you merchandise. You could go to Rome and you could get a lot of free bread. They gave out free bread all the time. And you would go to the temples, which were government buildings, to get that free bread. But Christians wouldn't do that. They had another way of rightly dividing the bread from house to house. They had a network of ministers. Today, the modern church goes to Rome and says, can we have free bread? And, of course, he will give you free bread. And we talked about that in the last show, how so many people... I was shocked to find out that many states were refusing federal funding to expand their unemployment program because they knew that it was keeping people from going back to work. It was making people lazy and slothful because it was cheaper. They were making as much money on unemployment as they would if they went back to work. And so you couldn't get people to go back to work. Horrible, horrible. But that's not what we're going to talk about today. We're going to, you know, we mentioned Edward uh, Mendel House. Uh, and, you know, I've expanded the webpage on him. And we have some recordings up. I can probably put up some more recordings. Uh, oh, no, I guess we have a couple on him already. But he hated capitalism. And he also hated the Constitution. Because he said the Constitution was... Protecting was part of the safeguards of capitalism. And he didn't, he didn't, he didn't want capitalism. But he was a banker. Aren't bankers, you know, and own corporations? Aren't, aren't people who own banks and corporations? Aren't they all capitalists? Because when you talk to people who hate capitalism, they look at the bankers and they say, see, that's capitalism. No, actually, there are no banks engaged in capitalism today because capitalism requires that you actually have capital actually have value uh, and and today we don't have value we don't have capital we have debt notes and debt notes aren't capital 
They're not, they have no present value, and like we said in previous shows, and, and we've written in the articles, and we've quoted uh, the Federal Reserve itself, says that Federal Reserve notes have no value, unquote. Quote, unquote. I got little air quotes here. <laughs> Federal Reserve notes have no value. Well, if they have no value, they're not capital. Because in capitalism, you have to, you can't have fictional value. And Marx talks about that. That, you know, he talks about th- th- this fictional value. That's not real value. So anyway, there's a lot of, lot to all this in order to get it into your head. I'm throwing out little pieces that will be like stepping stones that we will uh, use to get across this uh, river of confusion that has been coming down to us not for 10 years, not not for 20 years, not for 50 years, but for over 100 years, confusion has been sowed. And actually, uh, if you go to our article on Schools as Tools at PreparingU.com, you'll, you can read how... Uh, the Reese Commission uncovered a plot by people like Colonel Edward Mendel House and uh, and the Carnegie Foundation, the Ford Foundation, the Guggenheim Foundation, and uh, all these different philanthropic groups that were meeting because they didn't like capitalism either. Edward Mendel House was a confirmed Marxist and the advisor to Woodrow Wilson. And we're going to talk about another advisor to Woodrow, not to, actually he did know of Woodrow Wilson, but actually to FDR today. So that you begin to understand what happened. Because it's actually all in black and white. There's people who've written books about it, people who, that were firsthand on the scene when we wrote the book Covenants of the Gods. We actually went and read the uh, book. Uh, by the guy who wrote the Social Security Act and what he thought of it and why they did things the way they did. So all the information is there, but you're not going to get it if you're sending your kids to public school or if you went to public school because of what the Reese Commission uncovered about the fact that these wealthy men gathered as early as 1908 and began to change the way in which Americans viewed history. This is not, see, you know, CRT, critical race theory, this was way back then. And this has been uncovered time and time again. But why don't you know more about it? And why the people who know a little bit about it are more dangerous than the people who don't know anything about it? Because the people who know a little bit about it are spreading misinformation because they do not look at the truth in depth. They do not, do not want to know the whole truth. And of course, that is the definition of a lie, is not the whole truth. That's why they always say, you know, are, will you tell the whole truth and nothing but the truth? Because without the whole truth... You, you're hearing lies. And so, anyway, I, I've added more to that page on um, Mr. House. And you can find that at Preparing You, along with the audios that we did, kind of covering him. But, what, you know, because I've added more and more, you know, and I could do the same thing with people like Warburg, who started the Federal Reserve System. 
and, and we could just go on and on and on into all kinds of great detail, but we'll never get around to the way back. I'm only telling you how we got here so that you can find your way back. Because there's a lot of people out there trying to tell you this is the way back or that is the way back. And they're getting people lost out in the woods. They're getting people into more and more trouble. They're going from the frying pan into the fire. And and the amazing thing is, Moses freed tens of thousands of people. Jesus freed millions of people. And Jesus, if you would actually follow the way of Jesus you would be headed back towards freedom and liberty under God too. But you have to actually understand what he said and do what he said. And that's another amazing thing that we're constantly uncovering and showing people. And uh, I, the fellow from Australia and New Zealand, uh, one was from a very religious background, the other one not so much. But they were both questioning and wondering about things. And we'll try to put that recording up. We actually have a video of it. Uh, but my uh, video editor has left for the week. <laughs> it won't, won't be back. So we'll, we'll try to get that up. But if you want to be in on those announcements, because we're getting into an area that will be censored. And we'll show you how some of that censoring is taking place today. But... Uh, we need to create our own alternative network. And uh, and there's lots of networks out there, and we don't want to be dependent upon any of them. I mean, like software networks. We don't have the funds, you know, to create our own Gitter or, or Rumble or all those things, but we will be on those things. And, but we need to create an actual living network that isn't even dependent upon the Internet. And that won't just send you pictures of food, but can actually help you when there is food shortages. Or when you need uh, uh, health, health uh, aid, aid with your health. You, you're going to need a living network of people who care about you as much as you care about them. But of course, if you don't care about other people, you already have that network. <laughs> Which is why you just went through two years of lockdowns and masks and everything else. The amazing thing is that people are such a scattered flock that they had no real effective way of preventing the abuses that we have seen in the last couple of years that have caused thousands, even millions, and will probably cause millions and more deaths. Because... You haven't been following the ways of Christ for a hundred years or more. And you don't even know them even though they're right there in the Bible. And the ways of Christ is the way back. And even if you're a Jew, the ways of Moses, if you actually knew Moses, not like the Pharisees did, not like many of the modern Christians do, because many of the modern Christians have looked at the Old Testament and saw it in the eye, through the eyes of the Pharisees. The Pharisees read it got it completely wrong. Other people, uh, like the Essenes, whoever they are, whatever they were, because that's hard to tell from this point of view, but uh, they seem to have seen it. They certainly saw it different than the Pharisees and saw the Pharisees' interpretation as a fiction and a fraud, and Jesus saw there was a problem with it too, and eventually even Paul began to realize 
that the way in which they looked at the Old Testament was entirely incorrect. And we have lots of articles to show you why. But they all point back to the ways of Christ. But you have to ask, you can't just say Lord, Lord in your churches or your home churches. You actually have to seek the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And a lot of people don't know what righteousness is, which brings us back to those people who think that capitalism is bad. And I understand why they think that, because there's been such a concerted effort to destroy the idea of capitalism. So anyway, I I had a page that I worked on this morning, got up, uh, well actually I was working on it last night at 1 o'clock and 2 o'clock, and then I got up again at 5 o'clock and started working on it some more. But uh, it was a page called Pacta Servanda Sunt, which is Latin. For agreements must be kept. And we, and this is a major part of the Bible. This is a principle in the Bible. Which is why we're told in the Ten Commandments not to be making agreements. Why Jesus said stop the taking of oaths. Why James said, you know, I mean, swear not and, and above all else stop the taking of oaths. That's what James says. Well, because you're making agreements and those agreements you will be held to. The Joseph made an agreement with the Pharaoh and with the people, you know, his own brothers. And, of course, their families and, you know, their households, which may have been hundreds of people. And he made agreements that put them in bondage for over 400 years. Kept them in bondage for over 400 years. And then Moses came along and was going to set them free, but they they didn't know how to be free. And so there had to be plagues, and they had to remain in bondage and pay their tally of bricks, but learn to take care of one another. They had to, like I talked about in previous shows, you can go back and, and listen to those previous shows, but uh, which will... Because I'm trying to follow a logical pattern to bring everybody up to speed. It would behoove you. We have all of our audios, hundreds and hundreds of them. You should be listening to those wherever you go and start getting the pieces of the puzzles together. And Because we're trying to show you where the stumbling blocks are. Where the confusion is coming from. But ultimately, where you really will understand... The ways of liberty is when you start living them, which is why we say join the network, become a part of a living network of people that were doing what the early church was doing, what early Israel was doing, what Moses, uh, what Abraham was doing when he was setting up his altars in all the communities round about him. If you start doing that, you will start understanding the way back, the road to freedom, the way of Christ. But we're going to have to set down a lot of preconceived notions as to what we think is the source of our freedom. What we think made America great. What makes any culture great. So, his brothers went into bondage because of an agreement. Have you made any agreements? Well, we're going to talk about some of those agreements and why they came about and who is behind them. But always we're going to keep in mind how to get back to liberty under God. 
That's our destination. We'll be right back. Well, welcome back to Keys of the King- Kingdom. If if you look up in Second uh, Thessalonians, uh, chapter two, verse ten, it says, "Even him, or verse nine. Let's start there. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan. So who's Satan? Uh, it's it's an adversary of God. It's it's somebody who has a way." That is counter to the way of God. That's what Satan is. You know, the synagogue of Satan was doing things according to different precepts. You know, they talk about that in the New Testament. The synagogue of Satan. They were doing things one way. But the synagogue of Christ. The gathering of Christ. The congregation of Christ. Synagogue is just ten families. Was doing things a different way. So it says there in verse 9, Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders. So what are lying wonders? What's what's he talking about? And and what what are those powers? The, The actual word there is dunamis. He's actually talking about powers, not... Uh, exosia. So, what are they? Well, I'm not going to be able to tell you all that and keep moving. So, we're going to read verse 10. And with all deceivableness and of unrighteousness in them that perish because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. And see, this is, lots of people think they're saved. Many people are saying, Lord, Lord. But they don't want to hear the truth. Because you have to be willing to hear the truth. And why you are not willing to hear the truth is you don't really love the truth. And the truth can be painful. But you have to, you know, being crucified is painful too. But you have to be willing to hear the whole truth. And that's just the beginning because you still have to seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness. By verse 11, he's going on to say, And for this cause God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie. That they all might be damned who believed not the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. So what's unrighteousness? Well, that's why we got the ten statements to tell us what unrighteousness was so that we could follow the righteousness of God. We were supposed to be seeking the righteousness of God and God said in ten statements, you know, don't kill. If you're not, if you're killing people, if you're murdering people, That's unrighteous. You need to repent of that. We just had a story on the news about abortion. We just had a story this week about somebody walking into a school and shooting all kinds of children. And and people actually staying outside rather than going in and confronting. They could hear. They got calls from children on cell phones talking about being killed. 
You can hear gunfire going off and nobody's going in to save them. How did we get to this point? I don't want to condemn the police officers There's because I don't have all the facts. But the reality is, is what's happening to our society? When I was a kid, you could go down and buy a rifle and ammunition when you were a kid, put it on your bike and ride back home carrying a rifle. Nobody was shooting anybody. They used to give uh, shooting lessons in school. In the local school here, they did it. There's lots of people that would go bring their guns to school, <laughs> kids, to practice shooting at school. There were actually gun ranges in some schools. Wow. And there weren't mass shootings. So... There were actually, I heard the statistics, you know, of course we have different number of people in America, but the number of households that had guns has actually decreased in America, not increased. There's a lot more guns, there's a lot more people, but it's actually decreased. And people want to compare, well, wait, all we have to do is get rid of the guns and this will go away. That is insane. It is ridiculous. Something else is causing it, not the presence of guns. And, you know, it's kind of like uh, going to the doctor and he gives you uh, symptoms, uh, you know, something to fight the symptoms of your illness. Not fight the illness, not help you overcome the illness, but just the symptoms of it. You know, it's kind of like uh, you got a pain and they give you pain medication. They don't do anything about why you have the pain. They just make the pain go away. But then the problem hasn't been dealt with. And you have to deal with the problem. So, for this cause that people did not want to, did not love the truth, did not want to hear the truth, a strong delusion came. It actually was sent by God that they should believe a lie. But God doesn't want, He's not lying to you. He doesn't want you to believe the lie. But you have to love the truth no matter how painful that truth is lots of the psychological problems that people have today a lot of the dysphoria that they have today is because they don't want to see the truth and and they want to make you go along with the lie that they want rather than see the truth we, we see it in we see it manifested in lots of different levels you know uh, people, you know, guys thinking they're girls and girls thinking they're guys. Of course, that's just one evidence of this difficulty in handling the truth. But the reality is, you know, maybe you don't have that problem. But what don't you see? In Thessalonians, he says, But we are bound to give thanks always to God for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord, because God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the Spirit and believe of the truth. Well, what were those early Christians doing that the modern Christians are not doing? What are the modern Christians doing that the early Christians would not do, even under threat of death? They would not go to the government buildings of Rome and apply for free bread. The benefits of Caesar. They would not do that. 
because they understood the truth of it. They knew what, you know, because they had read Proverbs. Proverbs 1, Proverbs 23. They did not have an appetite for the dainties of rulers. They did not want to take a bite out of one another. And, of course, how did we get to this state where now that's okay? People are accustomed to living at the expense of others and depending for their livelihood on the property of others. And and have thusly degenerated into perfect savages where a young boy goes into a schoolroom and kills all kinds of kids and adults. And other men stand outside quivering, feared, afraid to go in and save the children. There's a lot more things that you need to save your children from that nobody's doing. There's a lot of other confusion and deception that nobody wants to see. The strong delusion is pervasive throughout society. So we're going to look at some of those other places so that we are not so easily seduced by the adversaries of the way of God. So... You can you can go read and listen to the audios on uh, Edward Mendel House at uh, Preparing You, but we're looking at this Pacta Sabanda Sunt, and, and as I mentioned before, that uh, Joseph made an agreement, and the people agreed to that agreement. He wrote up an agreement, and they agreed to it, and and Pharaoh fed them. And they were saved from the famine, but they were in bondage for 400 years. And the next pharaoh wasn't as nice or as generous as the original pharaoh. And so things got pretty rough. Things got pretty difficult. And the people were actually aborting their children. That's actually what they're talking about. Aborting their children. Casting out. And they use the word there in the New Testament referring to brephos. Not small children, but fetuses. Because they knew that in a woman's womb, there was a child. They, nobody was saying, oh, it's just a clump of cells. They knew she was pregnant with a child, and the child was coming. And this was one of the commands of God, to be fruitful and multiply. But the antithesis of that is to not be fruitful, don't multiply, and decrease your numbers. And, of course, the synagogue of Satan is saying that that's okay to decrease your numbers. And and you haven't been doing it fast enough, so they may want to hurry you along in the decrease of your numbers. And they may be plotting about it. I mean, you know, there's been a lot of talk in the news about the Great Reset and Klaus Schwab. Klaus Schwab wasn't even an embryo yet when the Great Reset was being planned. It was being planned back there in the days of, you know, Edward Mendel House. And we, you, we can uncover what they did. But we need to, you know, we live in a universe, a cause and effect universe, and there are laws in the universe. You know, laws of gravity, thermodynamics, uh, you know, uh, all, all sorts of, uh, Automatic things that take place because of cause and effect. We live in this cause and effect universe. And if you, if you covet your neighbor's goods and want to turn your neighbor into a human resource for your benefits, and you're willing to do it by the institution of the rule of force and violence, 
you yourself will go into bondage. Because as you judge, so shall you be judged. And see, the brothers of Joseph thought it was okay to sell their brother into bondage because they were jealous and envious or whatever. And the modern person who hates capitalism is willing to sell his neighbor into bondage so that he can have free benefits. You know, pay for my school, pay for my unemployment, pay for my welfare, pay for my health care, pay off my student loans. That spirit is pervasive. I can go back 150 years ago and it was almost, you couldn't find it in America. The people spoke against it, much less the politicians. But now the people have become human resources. They have become human capital. They are counted by the head. They are numbered. They have become a part of a human reserve fund. And I've expanded on our article on reserve fund. That's what the golden calf was. It was a reserve fund. It was part of the arts of the temple, the arts of banking. Which Aaron knew the arts of banking. And it was simply a big central vault where the wealth of the people was put into the central treasury which Jesus warned you about, which Moses warned you about and even forbid. But that's what they were doing. And they were going to be less free at the end of that. Well, there's a lot of things that can take away that freedom, but it almost always involves somehow or other you willing to either turn away or be a part of a scheme to take away the freedom of your neighbor, the right of choice that was endowed upon your neighbor by God. Capitalism, the basic definition of capitalism, before we add all these other elements of society, because capitalism by itself is not really a society. This is one of the clever word games that they play. Capitalism is simply, the base of capitalism is the private ownership of your labor. That's capitalism. Now, you can create corporate capitalism, pseudo-capitalisms of all kinds and shapes and sizes, and we explain all this in our article on capitalism, which I'm still working on. I've expanded it. It's almost a book now. But it's really easy to understand. If you don't own all your labor, if you don't have a right to all your labor, and you don't have the right to decide where your labor goes, because, I mean, you should share some of what you produce with others. That's a very important part of the kingdom. It's a very important part of every government. But some governments, they make the choice on how you're going to share. But in the kingdom of God, because it operates on the perfect law of liberty, you have the right to decide how to redistribute the wealth that you produce with your labor, the means of production. But by the time I was seven years old, which was decades and decades and decades ago... (laughs) And my father was probably in his 30s or something. People had already abandoned capitalism because half of his labor didn't belong to him. It belonged to the government. Had to go to the federal pharaoh in Washington, D.C. That was, that was almost three quarters of a century ago. 
So you haven't seen capitalism since you were born, neither has Klaus Schwab, but he wants to wipe away all remnants of it. But anyway, let's let's move on here. Because where this all came about, how did you become this human, you know, reserve fund where your labor now belongs to the Pharaoh what in whatever country you live in? It, it was at the time that they instituted a system of Corbin that we call Social Security, which Christ condemned. But if you don't know what Corbin is, and it's easy to find out, we have a whole articles on it, and we're quoting the Bible, we're quoting the history of the time. We're putting the Bible into the context of the time in which it was written, and then we show you by going into the actual laws, reading the Social Security Act, I don't expect all of you to run out and read it. be great if you did. You might not understand it unless you've already read a hundred law books to understand their legalese. But, uh, or read the book. We quote the book by the guy who devised the system so you would understand what it was. We show you step by step what it was. But other people have come along and shown this. People who were in the know. And they don't tell you in the news. This should be, this should be news worthy stuff. But instead, your sources like Wikipedia is trying to defame the people who expose this. Here's somebody wrote this way back when, let's see, it was after I had asked my dad who he worked for. <laughs> so, but it was still way back there. You know, it was over 50 years ago. He wrote, for a long time, I felt that FDR, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, had developed many thoughts and ideas that were his own to benefit this country, the United States. He, he wrote, the, this guy wrote this in his book. I'll tell you who the guy is. Maybe you'll figure it out. But he didn't. He didn't. These weren't his ideas. They came from somewhere else. Most of the thoughts, his Political ammunition, as it were, were carefully manufactured for him in advance by the Council of Foreign Relations, of which, if you look up uh, CFR at Preparing You, we tell you a little bit about who they are. But he's saying that what he was... Coming up with his ideas were manufactured by somebody else in this council. One world money group brilliantly. That's the way he describes them. The Council of Foreign Relations as a one world money group. With great gusto. Like a fine piece of artillery. He exploded that prepared ammunition in the middle of an unsuspecting target, the American people. Now, if we follow the history of it, how, you know, this is this is in the 30s, they were already unsuspecting because they were ignorant. Why? It's because what we talked about way back when we were going through the prophets like Hosea and stuff, the your mountains of Samaria are impotent. Your mountains of Samaria is the press. Fake news wasn't invented with Trump. It was actually mentioned by Obama. And it was actually mentioned by Thomas Jefferson. (laughs) 
hundreds of years ago. Fake news has been around for a long time. So anyway, he went on to say that uh, these unsuspecting American people and thus paid off and returned his internationalist political support because that's how he got into power was this international political support. That's how Woodrow Wilson got into power. It wasn't Russian interference, but it was interference with people who were not all U.S. citizens, although many many of them had already become U.S. citizens. Warburg, when he came here to create the Federal Reserve, first thing he did is become an American citizen. His brother was doing the same kind of things in Australia. They were working all over the world to create this system. But what does it mean? You know, I don't want to get, I don't want to blame them for our condition. What I want you to understand is, is your unwillingness to see the truth. We're just using these historical events as a backdrop. And this individual who should know, because he was in a place to know, is saying this about FDR. He's actually a relative of FDR by marriage. And he goes on to say the UN is but a long-range international banking apparatus clearly set up for financial and economic profit by a small group of powerful one-world revolutionaries hungry for profit and power. The depression was the calculated shearing of the public by the world money powers, triggered by the planned sudden shortage of supply of coal money in the New York money markets. Now, this guy was a broker. He was in on the inside. He he was in the household of FDR. He knew these people, some of them intimately. They didn't like him. And there's a reason why they didn't like him and eventually kind of ousted him. Not only from the White House, but from their own family. Because of the fact that he began to question the ethics of what Franklin Delano Roosevelt was doing. He goes on to say the one world government leaders and their ever close bankers have now acquired full control of the money and credit machinery of the U.S. via the creation of the privately owned Federal Reserve Bank. And if you go back to Pericles and and, uh, Athens and all the... This idea of what they were doing in the Federal Reserve System and, and creating the central treasuries is not new. The New Deal was not a new deal. It's an old deal that most people are completely unaware of. And it has long-range repercussions. But the problem is not the Federal Reserve. It's not their reserve fund. It's not the economic collapse. It's certainly not capitalism. How could capitalism be causing this when you haven't had capitalism since 1913? (laughs) Certainly since 1933. But, you know, in our article on Social Security, in our article on Corbyn, in our articles on the the era of Balaam, and the ways of the Nicolaitans, which are all related and linked together, and we're showing that we have added to our Mark of the Beast 
page, there was a section there on Revelations 18. And I had put a line there because I knew I needed to write more, but it wasn't time yet. Well, now it's time. And so this last week, I wrote a great deal more. Put subheadings so you can see what the Mark of the Beast in Revelation is already about. You already have the Mark of the Beast. You can't hardly buy or sell. You can't hardly get a job without it. I, I there's Somebody wrote, Recently, and said that he hasn't used his social security number in years. I'm I'm not advocating people get rid of their social security number. I'm advocating what Christ advocated, which is to repent, think differently. In order to think differently, you may have to know the d- strong delusion that you have accepted is true. That isn't so, so that you can receive the truth. And start seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness. If you seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness, then you will find the way back. Pointing at what bad guys did, that's not going to do it. So, stay tuned and we'll look at what you may need to know to find your way back to liberty under God. After a brief break from this station. Well, welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom. And uh, so who was this guy who was saying all this? Where did he come from? He was actually a colonel, Colonel Dahl. He was in First World War. And he was commissioned uh, as an ensign in the Navy Aviation, Naval Aviation. But he also was the son-in-law to Franklin Delano Roosevelt. He was actually an advisor to Franklin Delano Roosevelt. But he had problems. You know, he had attempted to be loyal to the Roosevelt White House, uh, but he had problems philosophically with some of the things that they were doing because he understood what they were doing. Other people were blind to it. The media wasn't telling you. Your churches didn't tell you that you should not be coveting your neighbor's goods. There were some churches that were doing this. But their voices fell on deaf ears because the people did not want to know the whole truth. And so they set up a system under FDR during the Depression that was brought about by the Federal Reserve pulling back money supply. The call money was pulled back and this this crashed the economy. Lots of people knew it was coming. Lots of people warned people that it was coming, but people could not hear it. They did not want to hear the whole truth. Now, there was another advisor to FDR, Louis McHenry Howe. And he had been an American reporter and became this, you know, he came from a wealthy family in Indianapolis. And he became this uh, advisor, political advisor to the president. And uh, he... He was in with the big guys. <laughs> uh, lots of big guys who were perpetrating this new idea, this new deal, which was actually Nimrod's deal, Pharaoh's deal, Cain's deal. It's, it's a deal where you end up coveting your neighbor's goods to get more and more benefits at the expense of your neighbor through men who exercise authority one over the other. Which Jesus said it was not to be that way with you. And it's right there in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. You're not to be doing that. Going to men who exercise authority to get your daily bread. Early Christians would die rather than do it. The modern Christian would die rather than not do 
<laughs> because they don't want to see the truth. I mean, didn't Jesus said it was not to be that way with you? Over and over again we see it in the gospel. How in the world can you think that desiring benefits that are provided by taking away from your neighbor and violating another one of the Ten Statements, the Ten Commandments, borrowing against the future, which is a violation of the Sabbath, borrowing money against the future, where you get the benefit today but have to pay for the benefit tomorrow with your labor or with the labor of your children, is actually going against the Ten Commandments. Coveting your neighbor's goods is going against the commandments. Making contracts to get those benefits. Assigning agreements to sign up for those benefits is also a violation of the Ten Commandments. And if it ends up leading to the death of people, that's another violation. If it empowers a a system that goes about and devours who it will. I mean, obviously, if you owe the tax, pay the tax. But the reality is, is that we follow the ways of Satan, the adversary of God. Am I saying that Franklin Delano Roosevelt was Satan? Well, he was setting up a system that opposed the way of God. Now, you have every right to set up that system, the same as Cain had every right to set up his city-state. You know, where they sit down and they have this, you know, one purse. But we're told in the Bible that that runs towards death, runs towards evil. You know, how was associated with other guy, you know, Bernard Baruch, uh, Louise uh, Brandes, Felix uh, Frankfurter, uh, oh, Henry Morgenthau. All these guys were working together because they thought this was good. You know, I mean, some of the heads of some of these uh, systems that FDR was setting up, their title was dictator. They actually, that was the actual, that wasn't a, like somebody trying to make them look bad. They actually called them dictators because that's what they were doing. Now, many of the programs that he set up were rolled back because they hadn't got a sufficient contractual agreement from the people. The people had to start taking these benefits, signing up for these benefits that you're not supposed to be signing up for because you're you're not supposed to be, you know, if you sit down and eat with a ruler and you have an appetite, Proverbs tells you to put a knife to your throat because he serves you deceitful meats. Isn't that, isn't that what we were talking about originally? Deceit. They, they actually call the, the deceitful meats, these dainties that they call deceitful meats, will, they, they will snare you. They're the bait, but they will bring you back into bondage. And if you borrow money to get them, even more so in bondage. So, Anyway, uh, Dahl, you know, he eventually, for some reason I just drew a blank on what his whole name was. Was it Curtis Dahl? <laughs> well, I actually have it on the webpage, so I can just go to the webpage and take a look. Curtis, yeah, I was right. Curtis Bean Dahl, I should have remembered that. And, you know, he was born in 1896, died in 1991. And he actually did an interview in 1991 with a guy, uh, Hilder, Anthony Hilder. And... uh 
you you can actually purchase that interview. It's about a forty-five page book. But I mean, he was. You know, we talked a couple of weeks ago about these young people talking, coming to the conclusion that all Americans are evil and the United States is an evil, bad form of government and all this kind of stuff because there is evidence that FDR knew that the Japanese were attacking. He didn't tell the Army, uh, the Navy, so that they were not on alert and they were caught off guard and Pearl Pearl Harbor got bombed. But I'll lay you odds, those young kids, were all, they're all in favor of socialism. They're just taking little bits and pieces of fact out of context. One of the guys who revealed all this was Curtis Bean Dahl. Because he actually knew men in the Navy. You know, he, he was a, an American uh, stockbroker for years. He was a vice presidential candidate. Uh, of course, he was an author. He wrote a couple of books, uh, and he was married to the, you know, Anna uh, Eleanor Roosevelt, who was Franklin Delano Roosevelt's daughter. And so he and he was an advisor to the president for a while, but then they fell out because he thought some of the stuff that was going on was bad, and some of these men who were influencing him were bad. And so he published a book. My exploited father-in-law in 1967, and you can get copies of it right now. It was, it's you know, it's covering the years between 1932 and 1942, when he was well connected in government. And so, anyway, anybody can go read that. All that takes a lot of time, but we're giving you the highlights. But we're giving you the highlights so that you start understanding the way back. You know, Christ talked about mammon, which is an Aramaic word uh, meaning wealth. But it actually means entrusted wealth. And, of course, they were doing that. You know, when you put your gold in the golden calf, that's mammon. You're entrusting your wealth in the golden calf because that the gold represented your wealth. I mean, if you, you could also represent wealth with uh, what they call capital, which could be livestock. That's where they get the word capital is from the word head, capitas. And, you know, if you have 20 head of sheep, that's a way of counting how much capital you have. If you have 100 head of sheep, you got a lot more capital, a lot more heads. Uh, but you have to feed those sheep. You have to lean them around. They can die. <laughs> they can get sick. They can have all kinds of problems. And they take up huge amounts of your time. I can guarantee that from personal experience. Along with dairy cows can do the same thing. Because <laughs> we had a, a dairy cow that calved and had grass tetany. And, you know, we've been struggling for days to try to keep her alive. And she's on her feet and she's drinking again, eating again. She's still not out of the woods yet. Takes a while. But animals can die. Gold doesn't die. It doesn't burn up. It's it's a very good portable way of wealth because people like gold. I mean, if you go get a gold coin and hold it in your hand, there's something mysterious about it. But if you put the love of that wealth, whether it's sheep heads or Gold above love of your neighbor. Now you got a problem. But it's it's the love of money over the love of your neighbor. 
Well, see, you're not out of practice with loving your neighbor. I mean, you can love your neighbor from your pew and from the inside your house, looking out your window. And, but to love your neighbor used to mean that you were actually providing social welfare for your neighbor if he had need. If he, if he got injured, if he got sick. We, would you be over there? You know, we're, we're actually torn. We, we're helping our neighbor <laughs> who needs help. And we also have to help our cow. So, I mean, like, which one do we do first? But with Social Security, you don't have to help your neighbor anymore. It's the government's job. It's men who exercise authority, one over the, the other. It's their job. And so, because you've entrusted your wealth, you've entrusted your responsibility. You are now in the treasury of the reserve fund because you are a surety for the debt that is being created by the trillions of dollars. So there's no way out for you. You you can fill out all the papers you want. They can still come and get you because you're an asset. You're part of the capital because you sat and ate with rulers. David told you this. Paul told you this. What should have been for your welfare has become a snare. You're snared. You're in the bondage of Egypt. It's probably worse than it was in the bondage of Egypt. You don't own your labor. You're not practicing capitalism of Christ. Or God. God was the first one that told you you were a capitalist. He gave you dominion over yourself. He did not give you dominion over your neighbor. He gave you dominion over yourself in order to get dominion over your neighbor. You had to not see the truth that coveting your neighbor's goods was condemned by Christ. And so now you live in a socialist state. Everybody does. You know, you, you don't call it socialism. You call it democratic socialism. But it's all based on the idea of coveting your neighbor's goods so that you can have free stuff. And the reason you do this is because you're having eyes full of adultery. And that cannot cease from sin. Beguiling unstable hearts or souls. That's the way it's translated. Unstable souls and heart. They have exercised the covetous practice of desiring benefits at the expense of their neighbor and curse their own children. You know, Peter had said earlier in Second Peter 2, 3, that through covetousness shall they with feigned words make merchandise of you whose judgment now of a long time lingereth not and their damnation slumbereth not. I mean, we should figure this out. Even Second Timothy 3, 1 starts off with this. Know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves. Covetous. You desire those benefits? You're covetous. Boasters saying, oh, yeah, I'm born again. But still working iniquity. And if you read all the born again stuff in the Bible, it says if you're still a worker of iniquity which includes coveting your neighbor's goods through men who exercise authority, which Christ said not to do, then you're boasting of a salvation you don't have access to. And you need to repent and think differently. But many people are too proud. And they blaspheme the Holy Spirit that's telling them 
what you have accepted is a lie. You're under a strong delusion. They blaspheme the Holy Spirit that is telling you this. You can blaspheme me all you want. But if the Holy Spirit is starting to awaken you, not woke you, awaken you, you need to listen. You need to start pondering. That's why we laid this out, so you can go over it and start pondering it, so that you can eventually come to the point where God will show you the way back. Yeah, and one of the signs of this is disobedient to parents, which it goes on to say in in Second Timothy three two. That the young boy went in and killed all those other kids. He wasn't living with his parents. I guess his mother's a drug addict, and the father has all kinds of problems. I don't know what they are. I'm sure they'll eventually come out. But he was living with his grandmother, and I guess he shot his grandmother. I don't know if she died or not, but. Their family is broke down. What broke down the family? We've had lots of shows on this, taking you step by step. The rise of socialism, the New Deal, the Great Society, the war on poverty. And and you can look at the black community where they targeted the black community. And now they have 75% single parent families because the families are in shambles. But the kingdom of God is based upon families coming together in congregations of ten and starting to l- breathe life back into care for one another by actually caring for one another. Which is why God hardened the heart of the Pharaoh and would not let the people go. You're way better off than getting rid of your social security number, which somebody did and now can't hardly find work. And I can't speak to him particularly, but I'm just talking in generalities. Way better than that is to come together in congregations of ten and start caring about one another so that when all hell breaks loose, because Satan is everywhere, hell is empty and all the demons are here, you can do something about it. But the reason people are disobedient to parents is because parents aren't educating their children. They're not taking care of their children. And society is saying, you don't have to listen to your parents. And so... Now the grandmother's taking care of this 18-year-old boy and he shoots her. That's a product of socialism. That's a product of these covetous practices. Because there's nothing more unthankful than somebody who thinks they're entitled. Which is the next thing that Timothy mentions. Unholy? That means unseparate. Verse 3, Without natural affection... What's natural affection? Well, homosexuality is not natural affection. So they don't have that natural affection. Truce breakers, they say they'll do one thing and then they do another. False accusers, I get that all the time. I present this information to people and they falsely accuse me of saying things I didn't even say. I mean, you can go look at what I said. Incontinent, inconsistent. Fierce, that's one of the things, you know, I've read a lot of Marx recently because I've been expanding that page as well. The guy was angry all the time. And you see this in the Karens and the and the literally psychopaths who are against what little conservative conservatism they have in conservatism today. I mean, all your conservatives are socialists. Very few of them really want to get back. I mean... Ron Paul was talking about, you know, audit the Fed or get rid of the Fed. Well, he can talk about it all he wants. I'm telling you, you need to repent. Till the people repent, there's no reason to get rid of the Feds. 
You have to repent. And the beautiful thing about repentance is that if you sit down in congregations of tens, hundreds, and thousands like Christ commanded his followers to do and start taking care of one another, you don't need the rest of the country to decide to change. You don't need the rest of the country to repent. Now, we want them to repent. But if you don't repent, it doesn't matter what they do. You're still going to go back into bondage again. You can't be despisers of those that are good, which is what we see. People who are doing good today, oh, they're bad. People who are doing bad, oh, they're good. Goes on and expands this list with traitors. Heady, high-minded. You seen any uh, headed, high-minded stuff lately? <laughs> lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. Having a form of godliness. You just go into all these churches that if you have a need, they don't practice pure religion. They don't take care of it unspotted by the world, the constitutional orders and systems of government. They actually send you to the government. They deny that they have the power to actually take care of the needy of their society. And they're afraid to even mention this command of Christ to not be that way that they are. Because they might lose their congregations. People might leave. Christ wasn't afraid to tell the truth. He had them leaving in droves. That's the only way you can... You know, if you're panning for gold, that's what you do. You swish the water around so all the dirt goes back into the bottom of the river. <laughs> and then it leaves the gold left. And then you have to apply the fire. Well, the fire is coming to find out who is really gold and who is pyrite. But I don't need to make that decision. I just need to seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And I'm just showing you that what you've been doing ain't righteous. You've been denying the power that God could have taken care of your social welfare to a network of people who love each other as much as they love themselves. For of this sort are they which creep into houses and lead captive silly women laden with sins, led away with diverse lusts, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. That's I mean, that's what we see. I mean, it says right there, you're not to be going to men who exercise authority, call themselves benefactors, to get your daily bread. You're not your your daily ministration, your pure religion of taking care of the widows and orphans should be done unspotted by the constitutional order and system of government. That's what it says right there. In the text, it says world, but they use the word that means constitutional order and system of government. Your religion, the way in which you take care of the widows and and needy of your society, is not pure. It is very spotted. Yet you think you're a Christian church. You're very much a part of the world. You even eat at the tribal trough of Caesar. But they shall proceed no further, for their folly shall be manifest unto all men, as theirs also was. But thou hast fully known my doctrine, manner of life. Now he's talking to the Thessalonians. They knew it. 
But wasn't it a doctrine of Christ not to covet your neighbor's goods? The manner of life, purpose of faith, long-suffering, charity, patience, willing to accept persecutions, afflictions, which came unto me at Antioch. He's talking about his experiences as Iconium and Lystra. What persecutions I endured, but out of them all the Lord delivered me. And we go into the trials of the early Christians and and what they were, why they were tried. Because they would not sign up for the welfare systems of Caesar. They had another king, one Jesus, who showed them how to gather together in a network according to the perfect law of liberty and take care of one another through faith, hope, and charity rather than the forced fear and fealty that is required of those benefactors of the world, those fathers of the earth, who make agreements, which we just seen, according to Curtis, with the merchants of men. That's what we see in Revelations, which is why I added a great deal to our Mark of the Beast article and have to move some of those additions and explanations over to uh, Revelations uh, chapters that we have also on the text. But the fact is, if you get in there and you see Mark of the Beast, it will take you to the article and you can read it there. So it's all there. You just have to be willing to seek the truth. But... To really seek the truth, you have to repent and start seeking the righteousness of God because he's the one who's going to give you the whole truth. So, earlier, before we started this banking series, we talked about church and state and the separation of church and state and the the separation of the apostles from the world. They were to be in the world but not of the world. And we talk about that in the book Free Church Report, which you can get free online. Uh, download it free online. We don't keep any of this stuff from you. We don't, there, we have no commercial breaks. Uh, we provide all this for free. But it's not really for free. Because it's gonna cost you. You know, Justin the Martyr wrote the Emperor of Rome to explain the nature of the private religion of Christianity, which was still legal at that time, later under under Saturninus, private religion was outlawed for a short period of time by some of the emperors, and they received another round of persecution. But Justin the Martyr said, we gather every week, and those that have share with those that don't have enough. And why is he explaining this to Antonius Pius, who's the emperor of Rome? is because they're wondering why the Christians aren't signing up for their welfare system or waiting for a stimulus check. But see, the modern Christian has gone so far away. So it didn't start with COVID. It didn't start with CRT. It didn't even really start with, you know, LBJ and FDR. It started way back where we began to creep in the idea that it's okay to take from our neighbor. It's not. So how do we get back? What is the way back? Are you willing to go the way back? Are you willing to be righteous and admit that you haven't been? Well, that's where we need to go. We'll be right back. Well, welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom. So, are we learning anything? Are we realizing that we've gone the wrong way? Are you helping other people to learn whether or not they've gone the wrong way? 
I mean, like I said, Proverbs 23. When thou sittest and eat with a ruler, consider diligently what is before thee. And so we're showing you how they set up a system that they put before you and your parents went and signed up. I'm not blaming your parents. The strong delusion was going to come because we were already doing something that was going to bring that strong delusion so that we would believe a lie. And I went over that, but I'm not going to repeat it. I'll let you go and look it up and figure out what did I do where I didn't see this before. And what do I do if I want to see more? And why would I want to see more? Well, if you love the truth, you want to see more. That is one of the things that I see in conversations with people that are starting to get this. They were willing to hear the truth. They were willing to see the truth. They were willing to see that what they thought was right was not right. But if they're going to be proud boasters and and think that, oh, I already know, I'm already saved, I already believe, I, I, it doesn't matter that I'm a worker of iniquity because I believe I'm saved. But Jesus warns those who say, Lord, Lord, but don't do it the will of the Father, they aren't saved. Those who say they're born again but are still workers of iniquity, they're not born again. And James tells you that how do you know who is a Christian and who is not? By what they do. Because if you really repented and received the Holy Spirit, you would not want to do these things. If you received some sort of emotional spirit. I mean, the evil can appear as an angel of light. And of course we know that by uh, politicians. (laughs) Or constantly suckering people. But anyway, when thou sittest and eat with a ruler, consider diligently what is before thee. It's the blood of your neighbor. That's what's before you. And put a knife to thy throat, if thou be a man given to appetite. Be not desirous of his dainties, for they are deceitful meat. Labor not to be rich. Cease from thine own wisdom. Now, did he just say don't work hard to be to earn money and to put up extra money and to have extra provisions? Labor not to be rich. Is that what he means? Is that what he's really saying when he says labor not to be rich? Christ condemned the guy who just buried his coin. He praised the guy who... who Turn three coins into more and two coins into more. But the guy who just buried his coin didn't do anything with it. He didn't praise him. So, what Christ is not against capitalism. Very clearly, he is for that concept of being fruitful and multiplying. People say, well, without capitalism expanding the money supply, that's the Federal Reserve is not capitalism. The guys who started it said they hated capitalism. <laughs> and the money they're issuing, or the notes they're issuing that you think is money, is not capital. It has no present value. They were anti-capitalists to begin with. But they've done a number on you to make you think that the private ownership of your labor is not a good thing. Without the private ownership of your labor, how can you be charitable? You need to be productive so that you can have the time to share with others. 
You should not be desirous of the dainties of these rulers. You know, I mean, Proverbs 15:27, He that is greedy of gain troubleth his own house, but he that hateth gifts shall live. Greedy for gain. Oh, that's bad. That's He that is greedy for gain, that, that, these guys who are anti-capitalism, supposedly, they don't even know what capitalism is. They're mixing corporate capitalism and state-run capitalism with owning your own labor. Which is what capital, that's the base of capitalism. All the other things have to be on, added on to create a system. Because capitalist, if, if there was only one man left on the face of the earth, he could be a capitalist. But if you're gonna be a corporate capitalist, you gotta have at least two guys, preferably three. If you're gonna have state-run capitalism, you gotta have more than one guy. Because capitalism, as a base unit, is not a system. It's an element. And it can become an element of a system, but in order to do that, you have to bring in things like socioeconomics or political economics or judicial economics. You have to bring in these other elements of society in order to create a system. So, yeah, capitalism isn't even a system. It's an endowed right. God gave you the right to work. And with that labor, you should be fruitful and multiply. And you should also maintain that dominion over the earth. When you become a slave in Egypt, you have given up some of your dominion, some of your right to choose, some of your power, exousia, to choose. Which is why Paul says in Romans 13, let every man remain subject to his own power to choose, his own liberty. That's what he's saying. That same word is translated liberty. It should never be translated government. Although the government could end up with your power to choose. That's what you did with FDR. You said, well, I we were taking care of the widows and orphans before Social Security. We were taking care of the needy of society before Social Security. Mostly through charity and through family and through um, church. But after Social Security, now it's the government's right to choose who gets what. They'll give you money to change your sex. They'll give you money to uh, take drugs. They'll give you money to abort your child. I say, oh no, we don't have government funded abortions. Uh, Well, (laughs) guess again. Guess again. It's a delusion. They do. They have government-funded wars. That kills people. Causes abortions. Lots of things are causing abortions today, but if I mention them, I'll be censored. But if you've listened to the program, you probably already know. But this greedy of gain is desiring benefits from the government. Which is why in the same sentence, he goes on to say, but he who hateth gifts shall live. Because he's talking about the welfare state. Proverbs does this all the time. Proverbs 1. Consent not. What? To having one purse. Proverbs 12. The hand of the diligent shall bear rule. But the slothful shall be under tribute. So you're under tribute. Not because of the Federal Reserve. Not because of... Edward House, not because of FDR, not because of Howe and all these other guys who were, or Warburg and all, 
You're under tribute because you've been slothful in the ways of righteousness. You're not gathering in churches established by Christ. You're gathering in churches established by Constantine. Because Constantine, and we're going to do a whole series on this, not just Constantine, but where we started going wrong, because it wasn't actually in 1913 when we created the Federal Reserve on December 23rd. It wasn't in 1910 and 1911 when all the courts started going over to becoming administrative courts instead of common law courts. It wasn't when you all started becoming citizens of the United States after the Civil War. It wasn't when you uh, acquiesced to a constitution that was not biblical, which is the U.S. Constitution is not biblical, because the Bible tells you the five elements of a constitution to write down in a constitution to control your king, your president, your prime minister. And you didn't put five of them in. You didn't put four of them in. You didn't put three of them in. You didn't even put two of them in. But you did put in the right to contract. And through the power of contract and pacta servanda sunt, those contracts must be kept. You have now gone back into the bondage of Egypt where you are no longer in the capitalism of Christ, but you are in the fictional capitalism of the modern system. The pseudo-capitalism where you don't your gold is not in your pocket. It's not even in the a golden calf somewhere. It's not. It, it, it's your surety for debt to other nations. Of course, they're also surety for debt. But it's like you're playing musical paper now. Who's got most of the paper? You don't realize. And I mentioned it in this original article, Pacta Zervanda Sun, that. The laws in the universe. The ten statements. It makes you vulnerable. They're worried about Russian influence in the election. You should be worried about a lot more than that. But you shouldn't be worried at all if you repent. Seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness. So... I'm not going to go into the whole way back because most of that you're going to have to learn as you go. But obviously, Christ made it very clear the only time he commanded his apostles to make the people sit down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands. So you should be forming congregations of people based on ten families. And those ten families should start trying to figure out ways to provide for the widows and orphans and needy of their society. If they're all... Not slothful, that won't cost that much, but start doing it because the systems of the world are going to start breaking down. And they're still going to demand their tally of bricks. And of course, they have the greatest tax ever is inflation. Because while we've been sitting here talking, the money in your pocket has decreased in value. The money in your bank account has decreased in value. And you will see that in the rise in prices Things aren't more expensive. Your money is decreasing in value because you don't have just weights and measures because you've abandoned the ways of God, the righteousness of God, long time ago. But it's getting worse and worse and worse. And 
I don't want you to come together out of fear of what's coming. I want you to come together out of love for one another, out of love for what who Christ really was, what he was really saying. And start taking care of one another as if your soul depended upon it. Because it does. And and that's what you need to be doing. You've been eating the dainties of the king for way too long. And now you've become like the people of Egypt. You don't know how to be free. But now is your opportunity to start learning how to be free. All the people that come to the network will, should, or will not stay. They will fall away. Some will fall away, just like they fell away with Christ. All the people who sit down in the tens and hundreds and thousands, their hearts are not necessarily pure or souls are pure. Some will be purified in the effort of seeking the kingdom of God and His righteousness, but they are only purified by the Holy Spirit. They're not purified by me. Even John the Baptist said, I only baptize you with water. There's one who comes after me who baptizes you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Well, the Spirit is coming, the fire is coming. You just have to start repenting. Now, by the same token, we can look out in the world and we can see that, you know, they've gone farther and farther and farther down this road to destruction. Destruction will come. But where are you going? And, and Karl Marx was right. Religion, not pure religion, but the religion of men, the religion of Constantine, the religion of those who are greedy for gain, who want benefits at the expense of their neighbor, who are not afraid of engaging in covetous practices. That religion that tickles the ears of the people is the opiate of the people. You don't want that religion. I'm not condemning them. They condemn themselves. Because they abandon the ways of God. I'm I'm calling you to seek the kingdom of God. And his righteousness. Because this system is... It would normally collapse of its own. That's one of the things that if you... You know, I've added a great deal to the Karl Marx page. You know, the Communist Manifesto, etc. But, you know, besides his bitterness... One of the things that he believed that capitalism, real capitalism, would destroy itself. Of course, he didn't really... His definition is not far off, but you see them slanting it. But, I mean, like if you were to go to Wikipedia and look these things up, everything is slanted more and more trying to make him look like a good guy. And, and, you know, Curtis Dahl, they refer to him as a white supremacist because back in the 1960s he was organizing with the Constitutional Party. But, of course, they, Wikipedia has been taken over by the woke crowd, at least when it comes to politics. But they, they do show in there, you know, what his book is, but you have to seek the truth. And I'm not saying that everything in his book is true, but he was in a place to know, and it it corroborates what I've already been saying and what I've been seeing because I've, I've lived a long time as well. You know, it's it's like the Reese Commission. When I came upon the Reese Commission that uh, uncovered the fact that these philanthropic organizations were trying to change the way in which Americans viewed history. 
Well, I already had a collection of history books before I came upon that that went back to the 1800s. And I would read them right in a row, trying to find which ones were the best ones for my kids because I thought history was really important. While the school was taking history out, the local school, which my kids never went to, but the local school, because I did work for them occasionally, they were taking history out of the classrooms and thought it was great. They needed to learn history. But that's part of the plan. You know, so that eventually they could bring in CRT. They don't care whether the CRT gets in there or not. They already got you. They already got you thinking you live in a free nation when you actually live in the bondage of Egypt. And your church has actually got you thinking that you're a Christian when you're actually doing the opposite of what Christ said. He said you were not to be that way, but you are that way. Your your modern church has no daily ministration. 90% of all of its daily ministration is taken care of by men who exercise authority contrary to the teachings of, and doctrines of Christ. And you've been sitting at the, eating at the table that Paul told you about, warned you about, David warned you about. If you want to look it up, Psalms 69.22, let, let their table become a snare before them. And that which should have been for their welfare, let it become a trap. And, and of course, Paul in Romans 11.9, and David saith, quoting David, referring to that same quote of David's, let their table be made a snare and a trap and a stumbling block and a recompense unto them. Well, the same word for table there in, in, in that text, what, what do you think it is? What else, what other way is it translated in the same Bible? That Paul uses there. Well I can tell you. It's translated bank. And it actually means bank. And yeah it could be a table. But since we've you know. If you go back. If you haven't listened to them already. And go back and listen to the earlier ones. Almost all the temples had. uh, An institutional part of them. That was a bank. The temples were banked. Temple of Ephesus was a bank. Temple of Mineta, minted coin. Temple of Ephesus, minted coin. There were banks. There were treasuries. The word Corbin is even translated treasury. It means sacrifice, but that's how you fill up your treasury with sacrifices of the people. But you've all become part of that reserve fund of the government. You don't have a golden calf for your reserve fund. You are the reserve fund. And your children are the reserve fund. You've cursed your children. They are sureties for debt now. Well, the amazing thing is in the kingdom of God, you're the reserve fund in the kingdom of God too. But the difference between the kingdom of God's reserve fund, which is the people, and the kingdoms of the world reserve fund, which is the people, is the difference between fervent charity and legal charity. And once you've got that grasp, and we have articles called fervent charity and articles called legal charity. Legal charity was a term you coined in the 1800s. Appears prominently in Alexis Tocqueville's writings about America, what made America great. And it was not legal charity. Legal charity degenerates the people. We've known that for thousands of years. 
It weakens the people. It weakens the people of Sodom. Legal charity is when men who exercise authority one over the other force the contributions of the people because the people have all become human resources and subjects. They force their contributions to take care of the needy of their society. That's legal charity. Fervent charity is when the people give free will offerings. That's what they call them in the Old Testament, free will offerings. In the New Testament, we call it charity. In both cases, the people are the human resources in the reserve fund of a God. In the kingdom of God, capital G-O-D, it is the God of heaven, the God of creation. In the kingdoms of the world, it's the God's many that Paul talks about, that Jesus talks about. They don't wait for free will offerings. They force the offerings of the people. So everybody who wants benefits, free school, free health care, free education, take care of my parents, everybody who wants to go that way are engaged in covetous practices. They desire benefits at the expense of their neighbor. Early America did not do that. They spoke against it. We show you how they spoke against it. They would not be a part of it. Their public schools were almost entirely funded by contributions. They couldn't even pass a statue in Jefferson's, Virginia that would collect, would even mandate the building of public schools. Even though there was no monetary provisions in the bill, they weren't taking, they weren't taxing anybody to build them. They were just saying they should build a school within walking distance of everybody in their districts. They couldn't even get that passed. They said, why? We're already doing it. And who was doing it? The militia. Because by working together to build the schools and being a part of that process, they had control over what their kids would learn. They weren't worried about CRT coming into the school. And they also weren't worried about somebody coming in the school and shooting up the kids. You know, when they, they had terrorists coming in and shooting up kids in Israel, they armed the teachers. Most of the people I see out there that you have teaching your children, I would not want to give them a gun. <laughs> They're, I mean, go on TikTok. <laughs> Actually, you can't even see it there because they're, they're censoring that. All the more reason you need to get back to the ways of Christ. And one of the ways of Christ is to organize yourselves. Organize yourselves in the tens, hundreds, and thousands. In free assemblies. That's what they call them in the Old Testament. That synagogue meaning ten families. And start seeking to know what the will of God is for yourself because it's an individual basis. That was one of the things about capitalism. It's individual's right to decide what to do with his labor and the fruit of his labor. Like I say, in the kingdom of God, there's redistribution of wealth. But the one who gets to decide is the one who produces the wealth. And the people don't realize there are other people saying, well, then in capitalism, the wealth all centers into the hands of the super wealthy. No. Only if you haven't implemented the social bonds of Christianity. It wouldn't happen if the only social welfare you had amongst yourselves was based on free will offerings. 
It only, this is why the bankers want to get rid of capitalism. This is why Jeff Bezos doesn't like capitalism. This is because they want control. And they can get control when you don't have control. And you don't have control if you don't own your own labor. And you haven't owned your own labor for almost a hundred years in America and other countries. Australia was ahead of us. So you need to repent. You need to turn around. You need to seek the kingdom of God. You need to join the network. You need to sit down in a living network and start caring about one another. Till then, peace on your house and God be with you. God bless. You have been listening to The Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. For more information on the educational ministry provided by His Holy Church and Brother Gregory, including services, counseling, lectures, books, and other audio materials, please write to His Church at Summer Lake, Box 10, Summer Lake, Oregon, 97640. You can also find us on the web at www.hisholychurch.net.